0: Listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Luke's Gospel is where we've been. You know, there are some birth announcements that are glorious. They're exciting. They're, they're, they're maybe not necessarily anticipated, but boy, the joy when we discover. That's what we saw last week, a, a, an elderly couple up in age being told by an angel that they're going to have a baby. And the excitement, I'm sure, was overwhelming. But sometimes we get the news and it's not so Exciting. Overwhelming nonetheless, but not quite as glorious on the surface. That's the scene that Luke paints for us today. You see, last week we heard an angelic message in the city of God, Jerusalem, where all of the worship happened. And the excitement and the wonder and the bewilderment of how God is doing the plan that he had promised for centuries and centuries to do. But then Luke turns and shows us another scene. A lot different than the one we saw last week. Though a bit similar. If you can imagine a young girl of marryable age. Anticipating what her life is going to be like. I would imagine that it would look much like maybe some of our own teenage daughters that are imagining the, the fanfare and the wedding and the dresses and, and the thousand doves that will be released when they turn and face the crowd and the bubbles and the cakes and the, and the carriage drawn and the, all that goes along with it. I would imagine that this young lady was thinking about those same things, probably not extravagance. See, this little girl was a poor girl, but she was anticipating a wedding. She was thinking about what her life was going to be like when the chores she was doing for her family was translated to her home, probably imagining the the number of children that she may have one day and the celebration that would happen within the family family as each one of them came. How that they would grow as a a couple and she would understand him a little more and and he would understand her and and just maybe theirs would be a love story for the ages. It's in this thinking, it's in this processing, it's in this little girl imagination that we find ourselves. In Luke chapter number 1, beginning in verse Number 26. Last week, we titled our lesson, We're Having a Baby! This week, we title it, I'm Having a Baby Too. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth. We're going to see this picture again in three movements first honor in obscurity honor in obscurity now we know this name Gabriel we saw him in our lesson last week he was the angel that showed up in the temple as as Zachariah was burning incense having just so happened to have been serving that day and just so happened to have pulled the stone to serve in this capacity for the one and only time in his life as a Levitical priest. We heard the message that Gabriel gave to Zechariah. Your wife is going to have a child, Zechariah. You're going to have a baby. His name going to be John. He's going to be great in the eyes of the Lord, and he's going to be the forerunner of the promised Messiah. We remember that Zechariah couldn't hardly believe it and asked for a sign, and he got one. No talking until the baby was born. Was the sign that God's word was sure. Well, now we see this angel being dispatched from the throne room of God again, but to a much different place. Honor in obscurity. Nazareth was an insignificant village in the southwest of Galilee, and it was a city of poor repute. You see, in Jerusalem, uh, the people that that were uh, uh, the, the high rollers in the Jewish religion, those that were following not only by letter of the law but in place and had the right language and the right lingo and the right dress and the right way of, of referring to one another, they saw Galilee as the backwoods of Israel. And Nazareth, this little tucked away city, was even more obscure than all of Galilee. Some wrote that it was possibly because of their unpolished dialect. Maybe because of their uh, of their uh, lack of culture. Maybe it was because of a measure of irreligion. Or maybe it was because of perceived moral laxness. And I go... Nazareth was in the south. <laughs> Nazareth was in the country. Hey, y'all. These is our people. Okay? Now, if you're not from Polk County, Florida, that's okay. Those of us who are and you say, "Wait a minute, you're not." Look, when I got to Polk County back in 2008, all I heard was Polk County this, Polk County that, Polk County. Oh, well, that's just just typical Polk County. And the whole time I'm thinking, relates pretty normal to me, so you're my people. You know what it feels like when the folks on the East Coast you know where we sit directly between. You know how they act toward us. We don't know what we're doing. Why? Because we talk a little slower. We move a little slower. And we might have a little yee-haw every now and then. Well, that's kind of the way Nazareth was in obscurity. Even in the Gospel of John, when, when Andrew is, is, is communicating to some other friends of his that we think we found the Messiah, his name is Jesus, he's from Nazareth. In John chapter 1, verse 46, a, a friend of his by the name of, of Nathaniel said, Nazareth? Has anything worth anything ever come out of Nazareth? Honor in obscurity. The angel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth. Number Verse 27. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Mary was a poor, young, insignificant Nazarene. And she was officially promised to a... Poor common tradesman in the field of carpentry named Joseph. This idea of betrothal. It was similar to our engagement, but a little step farther. In fact, betrothal was the beginning of a marriage. It was it was like making engagement a part of marriage. You see, the, the marriage contract would have been written. It would have either been worked out when the children were very young, or it could have happened just as a matter of convenience. But the families would get together, and they would strike out a covenant between the two. And then the, the 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 bride would be betrothed in a ceremony where possibly money was even exchanged as a, a wedding payment. And they would have a, a small ceremony where the community and the family would recognize that she has been promised to him. And now they will enter into the betrothal stage of their relationship where they will be considered married, but they will continue to live separately. They will continue to live in celibacy, and they will watch the two, and her purity will be able to be determined through a period of 9 to 12 months while they wait. And so the Bible tells us, Luke tells us, that Mary... While not yet living in the home with her husband-to-be, she was promised to him. And she was waiting on the wedding day. And her purity was of the highest order. And Luke even says in the text that she was a virgin. She was waiting to marry and she was qualified. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. One author said that in the Latin, that this, in the, in, the, in the Latin version, that this is translated greetings, Mary, full of grace. Well, that sounds very similar to something we've heard in our culture. But what, what the, the angel is not saying is greetings, Mary, you who are personally filled with favor. no. He's coming up on a young lady who was as ordinary as anybody, who was as as qualified or unqualified as anybody in the world at that time or at any other time in human history. And he says to her, greetings. Now, I don't know what he looked like. Last week, we were startled by his presence in the holy place when Zacharias should have expected no one else. He saw an angel. Now, he might have been glowing. They do that. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe Gabriel showed up at the door, knocked on the door, and she opened to discover this is something unique. Maybe the angel just appeared to her out of nowhere. Bottom line, his entry startled her. Greetings, O oh favored one. The Lord is with you, but she was greatly troubled at the saying. I don't know if how many of you grew up in and around the 80s? But one of my favorite shows in the 80s was a show called Different Strokes. Different Strokes had a couple of brothers who were adopted by Mr. Drummond, and the younger brother's name was Arnold. And anytime something happened in that in that family and it startled Arnold, Arnold would say, what you talking about, Willie? And then he'd poke his lip out. Favorite, favorite line. I, I actually think Arnold stayed that size most of his life. What you're talking about is basically how Mary must have felt. Greetings, O oh favored one. The Lord is with you. Um come again. Uh wh- wh- what are you talking about? What, what's so favored about me? What the Lord is with me? Why? why is the lord with me and what do you know that i don't know she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be honor in obscurity a nowhere place a nobody girl a a, a bizarre meeting And, and notice what Luke made sure to tell us in verse number 7 about the husband-to-be. Joseph was of the house of David. You say, well, what's so significant about that? Well, hold on. He's setting the scene. Remember, he's writing this to his friend or, or, or comrade by the name of Theophilus and he's telling the story of Jesus and he's building this story and he goes back to the beginning and says it starts way before Jesus with this one called John and now he's just beginning to peel away the pieces of the Jesus story you and I know the story we we know why he's saying and what what it means but but imagine that you're reading this for the first time and Luke is telling you that this is a nowhere place with a nowhere girl but But her husband just so happened to be from the line of David. But that wouldn't matter because the Jews were under occupation. So it didn't matter who your father's father's father was because there was no place for you in any throne-like operation because you were under the occupation of Rome. And Rome had placed a man in charge by the name of Herod. But just keep in mind that Joseph just happens to be from the line of David. And God's favor, God's grace on Mary was at God's choosing. Not due to anything she had done to deserve it. Mary. Greetings, you who have found favor, because God is with you. What? what does God want with me? Who who am I and, and what's going on? He begins to tell her his message, as he had done to Zachariah just six months earlier. You notice in the sixth month, well, well where are we at in our story? Well, and when we last uh, were together. We know that that uh, Elizabeth, Zachariah's wife, had conceived and then waited six, uh, five months before she told anybody. And so now we're in the sixth month of her pregnancy. Verse number thirty. The angel said to her, "Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb." And bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. We saw first honor in Obscurity, What? God's favor on me? The Lord is with me? I'm a nobody. I live in nowhere land. And what does this mean? And so the angel begins to unfold the message. We see him delivering a message about a blessing with a burden. A blessing with bitterness. Now, we like to think of someone coming to our door knocking on the door we open it and we love the idea of the person standing on the other side of the door being Steve Harvey with some folks with a bunch of balloons behind them with a with a big placard you know this big rectangle because we know we've just won the what Publishers, clearing house sweepstakes. We've won millions. And we can decide whether we want it in a lump sum. You don't want to do that. Or are we going to do it in payments throughout the rest of our life? And we're like, yes. All of my troubles are over. Right? Wrong. Taxes. And fame. And family and friends that you didn't know were your friends and family who's talked about you negatively for 20 plus years they're friending you on Facebook why because that blessing comes with a burden women throughout Israel's history had heard it taught in the synagogues through the prophets, through the Psalms, the, 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 the priests that were in charge of teaching the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, the writings. They would, they would read the scriptures and then they would tell them, they would emphasize this, this passage. The prophet is talking about Messiah who is to come. This this part where where David is speaking. I don't think he realizes he's talking about Messiah is coming. And Messiah is going to bring deliverance to God's people and salvation from their enemies. And he's going to rescue them from their sin. He's going to restore them to their place of prominence. And I'm sure the question is, well, well, Rabbi, Rabbi Johnson, who's going to be the mother of this? child we don't know it could be you and so women having children from the time of god's revelation had wondered could could this be mine that would be messiah can you imagine a higher blessing in all of israel than being and and, and and having the child that would become Messiah? I mean, how awesome would that be to be his mama, to have changed the diaper of Messiah for him to, to become elevated and lead us into victory? How phenomenal would that be? Better than any big check you would ever receive. And now that's what Mary is beginning to hear. Now, now, it starts with the fact that she's going to conceive in her womb and have a child. You're going to bear a son, and you're going to call his name Jesus. And the fact that, that his name would be Jesus probably escaped her in the moment. She probably didn't even let it sink in that that common name Jesus, that it's a derivative from the Old Testament Joshua, actually means Yahweh saves. The Lord saves. It was such a common name. What was blowing her mind was that she was going to have a baby. That began to spiral in her mind. What, What you would have thought would have been the most exciting news she could have ever heard begins to wash over her in unbelief. You must have the wrong address. No, no, let me tell you. Don't be afraid. He'll be great. Verse number 32. You remember what what the angel told to Zechariah? John would be great before the Lord. John would be considered great in God's eyes. Your child will be great. Great. He will, by his own nature, be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High, El Elyon. That signification of God Most High. God exalted above all in the Old Testament. He'll be called the Son of God what does that mean and how is this possible and what are you talking about i think you're making a big mistake no 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 not a mistake at all mary and the lord god will give to him the throne of his father david wait wait what, what so what are you saying I'm saying that he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Throne? House? King? Wait, wait, wait a minute. I think I remember being taught in synagogue. 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse number 16. When God was making a promise to David, it's all the way at the bottom Susie. When God was making a promise to David, he was telling him that he was going to provide a ruler. He said, David, your house and your kingdom shall be made sure, how long? Forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever for over 450 years no one has ruled in Israel yet god had made a promise to david that this his his house would have a, 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 a would develop a, a, a ruler that would have a kingdom that would last forever and, and they would sit on his throne but no one sat on that throne for over 450 years and now the angels saying god's going to give this descendant of David, the throne of his forefather. And he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Mary, are you with me? Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, she got it. She she just couldn't understand it. it so what you're saying is, is that, that Messiah is going to be born and he's going to be born to me. That's exactly what I'm saying. Well, that's, well that, well, that's quite frankly impossible, sir. That's, that's not possible at all. What'd she say? Verse number 34. Mary said to the angel, "How will this be since I am a virgin?" Now the word virgin means... To not know any man. She's saying, I'm pure. I'm in the betrothal period. I, I, I'm going to be married, but, sir, I-, I can't. It's not possible. But you know what she didn't do? She didn't, like Zacharias, say, I can't believe this. I'm going to need you to prove it to me. See, that's what Zachariah said. Zachariah said, Nope, I'm old. She's old. I know you're saying we're ha- going to have a baby, but I tell you what, I'm going to need you to do some kind of little trick so that I can believe. Fine, trick, boom, don't talk. That's not what Mary did. Mary's just being honest. Mary's being honest and going, You know, I'm, I'm about to be married, and mama m- talked to me, and, and I, I know how this, and no. It's not, I, how, how is this going to be? In my imagination, I like to imagine that the angel probably had a very serious face until she asked this question. And then he grinned and went, well, let me tell you. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And I'm thinking that the angel's going, I know. It doesn't make any sense. But look, God sent me to tell you this, and I'm going to tell you exactly what he told me to tell you. He knew you weren't going to get it. He knew this wasn't going to make sense. And he said, make sure you tell her. The Holy Spirit. The who? The... The who? The what? What do we know? How many gods are there? One God. How many persons are there? Three persons. Guess what? Mary, did you know there was more to God than you ever imagined? You know who we're seeing, right? You know who Luke is? is unfolding right here. See, I think Luke is writing after he's gone through all the events of, 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 of the time with Paul and he's he's studied all this stuff and he's gathered all of his his uh, resources together and he's talked to folks. He may have even talked to old Mary about this or maybe one of Jesus' brothers or sisters who is recounting this story to Luke. But I think he's gone through the, the season of time with Paul where God the Holy Spirit spirit has shown up and he's learned about him and he's seen his work and now he's just kind of peeling it i can't tell you too much theophilus you won't be able to handle it but here's what the angel said to her the holy spirit well well god sent me and now you're talking about messiah and i don't really know how he's gonna i don't know how I, i guess he's gonna be no no he's gonna be unique You see, he's not going to have a human daddy. He's going to be different than everybody, but he's going to be as human as everybody because he's coming through you. The Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. The power of the Most High will come upon you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, set apart unique the son of God nobody in Jewish history had ever called themselves that they would have thought of themselves as the children of God the people of God the sons of God as it relates to the fact that he created us and he established us and now he's using us uniquely But this idea, the son of God of the same sort. And Mary's going, this is all just a bit overwhelming. Gabriel says, I know. But just so that you'll know that what I'm saying to you is true, behold, verse 36, your relative Elizabeth in her old age. You remember Elizabeth? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've been to visit her a time or two. Yeah, she's she's old lady. Has also conceived a son. What? Are you are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. She's in her sixth month. That one who has conceived the son is in the sixth month with her who was called Barren. I'm just imagining Mary's just. She might have just needed to sit down for a minute. And she's processing. So I'm going to have a baby. And it's going to be of the Holy Spirit. God's going to create this child in me. And and Elizabeth's having a baby? I mean, seriously? Zachariah and Elizabeth? Yep, the same one. I, 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 I just... This is just all so much. And he says, I know. But verse number 37 is that punch that reminds us when he says, Because remember, Mary, nothing will be impossible with God. Now, I want you to let those words just kind of sink into where you're at right now. Nothing will be impossible. With God. Now, before you go with wrong theology, before you think that the thing you want God to do is going to happen because nothing is impossible, right? That, that's where we like to go here's what I need God I'm telling you what I need and yes I just learned today that nothing is impossible so I'm just going to keep praying and I'm going to keep counting on God to do what he what I've told him I want Him to do and we learned from last week yeah we are gonna keep praying God we sure would love to have a baby we know it's impossible but we'd love to have one was I'm sure the prayer of Zachariah and Elizabeth but what the angel is reminding Mary is when God sets out to do something, no limitation in you, no seeming circumstance that's too big to be surmounted. When God has said he's going to do it, you can count on him. And Mary, you get to be a part of that impossibility. You said, well, that should be all blessing except... As Mary, I'm sure, is beginning to think about what this means. Wait a minute. I'm in the betrothal period. And, and if I'm going to have a baby, then that means that means I'm, I'm going to show my pregnancy b- before, b- before my wedding, and that's going to ruin everything. Not only could that ruin everything, the Old Testament law, provided for that husband who had been defrauded to have her stoned to death publicly because of her sin. He could put her away privately, but he could have her stoned. And not only that, if she avoided stoning, she would certainly be known for the rest of her life In that little small village as the town tramp. Oh yeah, Joseph married her, but we all know the truth of the situation. Possibly even being fully rejected by her family. I mean, really, who's going to believe this outlandish story? Who's going to trust that what she's saying is true? It's a blessing, but it carried with it bitterness. The thought of being a part of God's plan was going to bring on her all kinds of rebuke and disdain. The thought that she would have to live with the ramifications of what everyone else thought about what God was doing with her would be a bitterness that many might would say, you know, as much as I would love the opportunity, God, I'd rather not. And she's 13 to 15 years old trying to process all this in her mind. Surrender, though, comes before celebration. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word and again i like to imagine that the angel smiled and in my imagination i like to think he winked at her and off he went because see he you know he he'd been in god's presence and he 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 knew who god was and what god he had that privilege Yet he longed to be the recipients of those things that humanity gets to experience as beloved by the creator. And Mary says, this this that that we've all imagined to be the greatest thing now I'm learning is going to be a burden, a bitterness. But okay. If that's what God wants to do, well, I'm all in. How many times have you faced a trial, a challenge that you want God to fix, but you know God is good? And everything in you you just got if you'll just change this circumstance it will be so much better. And I'll be able to bring more glory to you and I'll be more uh, more profitable to you and everything will be better if you could just change this and God chooses not to like with Paul saying my grace is sufficient. See see what I'm doing in that is going to be far greater than if I just change that to suit your desire. So you keep trusting me and watch what I do in all this. And little 13 to 15 year old Mary came to that conclusion. What God knows is more than I know. What God wants is better than anything I could ever want. Okay, Lord, if you're gonna be with me, them i'm all in surrender then leads to celebration luke says and in those days mary arose and went in uh, with haste to the hill country to a town in judah and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted elizabeth having heard about a relatives like she's in her sixth month of pregnancy i've got to go you, you probably might imagine she might have wanted to get out of town some have said that in between these verses is where we learn in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, when Matthew's telling the story, he doesn't give us all this background. He just says, here's Joseph, he's betrothed to Mary, and it became aware to everybody that Mary was with child. And we're seeing where Joseph begins to have to process what he's going to do. And Matthew tells us in chapter 1 verse 19 that Joseph is going like, I don't want to kill her. I love her, so I guess the best thing I can do is to put her away privately. And some think that that's what conversation was kind of left hanging. And then Mary leaves to give him chance, to give him space to see her relative, Elizabeth. Verse number 41. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby... Who's the baby in Elizabeth? John. When when Mary, uh, Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Now, ladies... Raise your hand if you've ever hurt, felt a child kick in your belly. You know, you've ever felt it and you're like, oh, oh, did you see that? Hey, look, and I've even seen videos where, you know, the mama's laying there and, and you can actually see her belly like move in an area. Like, man, that's an elbow. Okay. Everybody's felt that. Th- this, this is talking about like dancing in her belly. Like, Leaping, like going nuts. So it's not just, oh wow, did you, fit? no, it's like turning cartwheels in her womb. When Mary's greeting was heard, she's overwhelmed by the movement of this child in her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry as she's seeing her, her niece come and imagine or or cousin or whatever she was. I'm imagining Mary is probably thinking, Elizabeth's never gonna believe this story about an angel and I know that she's got a but listen, mine trumps hers. She's not gonna believe this, that I'm gonna have a baby and don't have a husband yet and this is gonna be crazy and she's never gonna believe it. And Elizabeth goes, blessed are you among women. And I'm sure Mary's like, how did you know? Honey, what this one in here was doing when I heard your name. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come? How did she know that? Remember, back up. What was she? Filled with the Holy Spirit. What's she doing now? She's acting as a prophetess. You go, can she do that? God can do whatever he wants to anytime time he wants to. Luke said that's what happened. God made Luke write it down. I'm going to believe it. He said, you are the, or she said, you're the mother of my Lord. Come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears and the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed there, there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed. Look when 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 you go through confusing stuff when you're walking through things that don't make sense to you it's a whole lot easier to find a path that you can follow that makes it better for you abraham sarah couldn't have a baby well let's just bring hagar into the relationship we'll fix this for god and it always leads to trouble but when you're listening to God's way and you're following God's way, blessed are you who believe that God not only can do, but will do what he has said, even though it may be late in arriving at your front door. Keep pressing in his way. Keep following his word counting on him to fulfill what he has said and not how you feel and not what others say but what he has said and you too will be like Mary in a way blessed because of your belief bewildered Mary surrendered completely to God's divine will to his supreme purpose And then her relative Elizabeth begins the celebration that comes after surrender. I know, sweetheart, this is going to be weird, but I'm with you. They're already looking at me. And when they see what happens to me, maybe it'll make it a little softer for you. But we're in it together, girl, because we know what God said. And he's going to be faithful. And we're going to keep believing. And so Mary continues this little service of worship. Maybe this isn't what Mary said at the time. You know, maybe what we have here, it could be. She could have just broken out in spontaneous poem because that's what this is that we have is a poem. Or maybe it is that Mary, as she processed and worked through her pregnancy, or maybe as she was rocking her newborn baby, she was thinking about how she was feeling as they were jumping around when she said, I'm pregnant. She says, I'm pregnant too. And then they jump around like women do. I can't, I would do it if I, I can't. I'm not one of you. And they're hollering and they're laughing, and all the men in the house are going, What in the world is going on? They're celebrating. And here's Mary's words. Very similar to the words written from Moses after the Israelites crossed the Red Sea in celebration, in worship. Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. I'm a bond servant. I'm just magnifying the Lord because he chose to use me and I'm a nobody. He's looked on the humble estate of his servant. Behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. My family back in Nazareth might call me something else for a while. But ultimately, what God is going to do is going to wipe away all that. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he's shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their desires. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers and to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And imagine the scene where God says, Abraham, I'm gonna give you a people. I'm gonna give you a land. And I'm going to give you a seed that's going to bless every nation. And as Mary is twirling around, I'm a nobody. And yet I get to be the recipient of what God has promised all along. I don't know how it's going to work out. But blessed be his name. see, a lot of times we try to come into worship before we've experienced surrender. And we're frustrated because it's just, I don't know, there's a disconnect. And I just can't, I don't don't know what y'all mean when you're talking about worship and coming before the Lord. And the problem is for most of us is that we've not crossed the surrender threshold. You see, when we surrender and we've said, may it be to me, as you have said, just God, whatever you want to do, you just do it. Well, well now look, look look, where I'm already positioned to worship his name in celebration of what he has done, what he will do, and the privilege I have to be a part of it. There was honor in obscurity. There was a burden that came with this blessing But there was celebration that followed on the footsteps of surrender. Now let's get some takeaways and we'll go put this to practice. Number one, God's grace comes to us of his own choosing and it's always motivated by his love. God's grace is available to you today and it is sufficient and you can embrace it. And it has nothing to do with you deserving it. It has everything to do with his infinite love for you. You Number two, no one is insignificant from God's perspective. He loves us all and he doesn't love us more if we have more to offer him. His desire to use you is not about what you have to offer, but about what he's able to do in every one of us, equally broken and equally weak, but you'll never be insignificant. And he wants to use you as much as he wants to use any other nobody from any other nobody place number three the more surrendered to god we are the more subject to misunderstanding to disdain and to ridicule we become as you surrender as you begin to follow him out folks won't understand that that won't make sense to conventional wisdom But the more you trust him, the more you follow him, the more you put your complete and absolute faith in what he has said in his word and walk that out, the more strange you will become to those who are watching you. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to keep on pressing. You're just going to be weird because just maybe one of them will go, why are you so weird and you know what they've just done? They've just asked you to give a witness of the hope you have in you. And you can call his name. Well, Jesus has given me new life. And following him don't look like it does when you're following the course of this world. And can I tell you, where it's leading me is joy and peace and everlasting victory. Starting now. Wouldn't you like to follow him with me? Lastly, surrendered servants can thankfully worship and celebrate who God is and what He's still doing. Are you surrendered? Are you a worshiper? Mary reminds us that God uses ordinary surrendered people in the accomplishment of His extraordinary work. So let us take that example. Let us see who God is and what he's doing, and let's put those things to practice that he has revealed to us. Amen? Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed. Maybe it is that you're here. and Maybe you're going, you know what? I've, I've just been feeling this nagging thing that I just know a lot about Jesus, but you keep talking about being his child. And I just, I don't know, that just doesn't seem to fit me. Well, maybe it is that you've never trusted Jesus. Counted on what you know about Him instead of embracing Him and His invitation to save us if by faith we'll just receive Him through His death and resurrection. Embrace Him and Him alone. Today would be a great day to take all that knowledge and allow it to be what leads you to surrender. Maybe you do know Jesus. Today would be a great day to say, God, let it be to me whatever you want. Whatever that looks like, I'm going to quit driving I'm going to ride with you. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the revelation of who you are even in this little passage. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's so important. It's so important in these, in, in these passages that we see the magnificence of the incarnation God becoming man, the God-man, fully human, fully divine, capable of paying for our sin, capable of relating to us completely and becoming what we need so that we might be saved, we might be transformed, we might be made new. So, God, we thank you for that. I don't know what everybody's carrying today, I would love to be able to tell them there is blessing without burden, but there is not. God, I just pray that you would help every one of us to see that the burden that comes with following you is way lighter than the burden of trying to do it ourselves. It's still a yoke, it's still a burden, but you've told us through your son that it's easy and it's light. So I pray that every one of us will see how you're calling us to absolute surrender so that we might begin to follow you in the beautiful tones of worship for your glory. As we wait for Jesus, the son of David, to take that throne and to rule in his kingdom forever, visible, tangible. We look forward to that day. While we wait, make us faithful. Use us in whatever way you see fit. We love you. We thank you. For in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.